when you look back in history at all the people that were game changers in society, the people that have come and passed and left huge marks and we're still talking about them and they left literature and they left impacts in buildings and they left money that you now like being shown on buildings at hospitals across America and charities across America, people that are really making an impact sometimes centuries after they're gone, their, their legacy is still leaving impacts. When you think about those people, there's a few common threads. The first one is all of them were willing to step in the light. At some point, they put their face, their name, and their brand, their personal brand in front of the business, the machine that, that, was ma- that really made them who they are. Yeah. And that, there is a difference. Many great business leaders will die really unseen and unknown. They will not have left a mark of impact nearly as great as they could have if they would have understood personal brand. But like Ben Franklin is a character that I'll use a lot. I just talked about him earlier today, in fact. But the point is, is like, even Ben Franklin, he had so many amazing achievements. He had so many businesses that he was invested in. He owned so many businesses. But today, all we remember is his name. That Ben Franklin name means something. It's the brand. Even back then, guys understood personal brand. And sort of Ed has really given me clarity on a few key components that they go often go missed. And when you start like diving into this space and stepping in the light, so many people will, oh, why are you doing that? You're doing too much. Like, aren't you worried about your other businesses? Like, I think you should be there more because the reality is, is the commitment that it takes to step in light. You have to give everything you did to it the same way you did to all your businesses. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You have to understand that this game that we're, we're trying to play of influence and really connecting the dots to helping people, there's levels to this. And to really have an impact, a lot of things got to go right. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. Eric, you're a husband, you're an entrepreneur, you're a coach, you're the create, you're a creator, you're the co-host of Man on a Mission podcast, you're a motivator. You've worked with Ed Milet, Dan Fleischman, and so many more, man. Thank you for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, dude, I'd like to kick it off by going back a bit. Where did you grow up and what was childhood like for you? Yeah, I grew up in Nevada. Um, you know, I never met my biological father. He'd split on my mother when she was pregnant with me at, I think, 19. So she was a, a young mother. She was married, too. He just didn't want kids, and um, uh, he wanted her to have an abortion. And um, she grew up in a Catholic family, and that was not a, a, a something that she was willing to do. And so he ended up splitting. He, she came home one day, and everything was gone, and he was gone. Um, so my start of my life was just me and my mom. My mom's very special to me. She's very dear to me. Um, she ended up marrying my stepfather, who would really – take that role as a father for me for years. Um, for, I mean, now he's like my best friend, but um, in those early years of my life, uh, the structured discipline of him um, was hard. You know, I, I, at a young age, I felt like I was really starting to work for something at a young age, something that was probably hard for me then to describe. I, I believe now I was really, I was, I felt like my childhood was full of like quiet desperation, just wanting to be loved and seen. And, you know, it's hard as a stepfather, you step in, it's some kid that sort of represents the, the past mistakes of your, of your new wife, you know? Um, but I really wanted to belong so bad. And I really, I mean, it was a big deal to me at, at a young age, I became very obsessive about um, 
you know, doing good so that I could, he would see me. I would mow the lawn obsessively and try to make perfect lines. So when he'd come home, it'd be a big deal. But um, I put a lot of time as a child into my stepdad. He was someone that worked hard. He worked seven days a week. Um, he worked as an entrepreneur in my, in the family business, which was a pharmacy at the time. My grandpa started a pharmacy in Reno, Nevada 50 years ago. And I remember even as a kid, I worked in the pharmacy myself at a, at a young, very young age. I was working already, but, um, so I sort of grew up with that entrepreneurial spirit around me. Although when I was in high school, my, my family went bankrupt. It was a really hard time, um, in, in our family's life for sure. Um, so by the time high school was over, I just wanted to get out. I, I had this urge to get out. I had been through a couple back-to-back surgeries that ended my baseball career, which were, I thought all my dreams were going to be. And, um, I got out, took some, uh, some wrong turns for sure. Made some terrible choices. Um, I'd been two years on pain medicines, uh, trying to recover my surgeries. I broke and dislocated my elbow, my junior year, the doctor screwed up in that surgery and they end up pinching my owner nerve, which is your funny bone in with a joint when they relocated it. And that was some of the most painful therapies you could ever experience. I remember laying on a table when I was a kid going through that and tears would just pop out of my eyes, kind of like popcorn. It was just such because that nerve pain was so bad. And they had me on oxy trying to get me as comfortable as possible for those therapies. And I was on it for a year. And then right when I came back the following year, I worked so hard to try to stretch that nerve back out. That's where all the pain was. So they would pull that nerve. Um, I came all the way back from that in my first swing and batting practice, and I tore my labrum on my left side and my rotator cuff end to end, ending all my baseball dreams right there. I mean, it was another big surgery that took another year. So by the time I got out of that, I totally lost my identity. Um, that was one of the hardest times of my life. I looked, I would look at myself in the mirror. I had no recollection of who I was. I, the second I could get out of the house, I was gone. Um, I, I really wanted to play baseball with my life. And when that dream ended, I really didn't know. I just felt lost. I, my identity was gone. I worked so hard and, um, and sports was all I really had. Hmm. So again, from there, I mean, my path to entrepreneurship, I think at some point, most people look at their lives and they want freedom. They want the freedom that they think entrepreneurship is going to give them. And, um, I think that's the most you can ask in life is that you live a life full of fulfillment and real freedom. And so entrepreneurship definitely was a gateway to that. Although I would say that it was definitely not uh, freedom, but we got into business um, as a family in 2006 after my or, or my family had gone bankrupt um, with a small consignment business that my dad saw some opportunity in um, that had gone bust. Uh, he thought oh, that was a good model, and so they started that up. And um, at some point, I committed to get involved with the business, and and I wanted to uh, take advantage of North Idaho. And so that's how I got here. We started a store up here from scratch. I lived in the store for a year. And that sort of was my gateway into the world of entrepreneurship. And I kind of skipped a lot of steps, but you know. <laughs> no, that's so good, dude. And I was I was hoping you were going to tell that story about you living on that air mattress in that store for a year with you yeah. and your wife there. For you, what was that breakthrough moment, though, while you're living in that store that allowed you to kind of move out and breathe a little bit and then get you on the path that you're on today? Yeah, you know, I always say for, for people, especially people that I coach now, I spend a lot of time in this space of trying to impact and, and push other people into leadership roles uh, to really step into the light is something I focus a lot on. But I do believe it's very important for people to have what I call the blow up mattress um, experience. You know, it, that's where all the scar tissue is at. It's when it's not pretty. It's when it's ugly. It's when it's nothing. Those early years are so much more valuable than any part else part of the journey is, is just getting in and the start. And, you know, when I was, when I was young, I was really obsessed with 
with one thing in my mind because I didn't know enough to be a good leader. I didn't know how to run a good business. I didn't know anything. I just was in the fire. I jumped in. I assumed all responsibilities. I took extreme ownership. And if this, you know, I sold my car. We lived in the store for a year that we were renting um, and we moved into a new town. So you want to talk about burning the bridge. I had to lie to my wife to try to keep her on board. I was selling her a dream that I didn't know was true or not. Um, but she cried a lot. She missed home. She, she missed her old life. And we were in the middle of nowhere, you know, starting this new thing. But for me, it was this separation between comfort and like, really now what I declare is like the thing that's most valuable is to, is to get skin in the game, to really burn the bridge. And once you do that, it changes your perspective. Everything looks different. You know, my, my, my relationship with customers historically as an employee was so good. I was, I was good. I was a salesman. You know, I worked in as a VIP. I also had a great job. At, you know, when I came out of my dark years, I, I was making some headway. I had talent, but it wasn't until I burned the bridge and I sort of like made this all-in commitment where I fucking sank my teeth and it was bleeding down my face. That all-in, like just there's a do or die where you're dreaming about it, you're sleeping with it. You're, it wasn't until then when I realized the value of customers, you know, because I didn't know anything else. All I had was a few customers here and there. And those customers became the lifeblood of everything that I hold dear. Customer service became obsessive about it. And this is all sort of instinct. But what I realized is like no one was going to teach me anything. I was going to have to learn on my own. And with my customers were my greatest source of inspiration. They were my greatest source of knowledge and information. And I learned so much from the customer experience. But I will say like that whole idea of, of burning the bridge it's it's so crucial. Most people never get to the action of that because comfort and fear sort of trap them. Mm. And once you burn the bridge, though, you you don't really know what you're capable of until you do it. And so for me, living in that store, selling our car, what little money we had was just to you know hopefully to maybe one day put a down payment on a house. I had no idea how it was going to go. I didn't know anything. But what was crazy is it became the gateway to so much discipline, so many rules, so much obsession. And, and passion and love and leadership and energy. It became the gateway to Eric Rock that you see today. And without those early years, though, you can't skip that shit. You can't buy it. You can't steal it. You can't gift it. You have to earn it. These are the things that, that are so important. And that becomes a scar tissue that should hopefully set you up for the rest of your life. It should carry on. But this is why I love that we started from nothing. I, I love that it was ugly at first. But I became, getting back to my main point, I was in the early days, I became obsessive with really one singular thought. It wasn't complex. But in the early days, it was ugly. The building was ugly. We, you know, the the furniture was ugly. We're, you know, we're in retail, and yeah. so furniture retails our big box is our store now. But in the early days, it was just a consignment model. It was small, and I'll be honest, it was janky. But when I became obsessive on this thought: How do I turn something that's ugly into something that's sexy? How do I turn something that's not pretty into something pretty? And that thought is the thing that I would dream about. I would think about Tetris in my mind: How to put pieces of furniture together? How to make it look good? And it was that some of these early, simple, singular thoughts that really became the obsessive nature of how I am. And it's funny, I didn't think furniture was going to be my dream business. Like, it, you know, and what I realize now is it's not the product or service. It doesn't matter. You can fall in love with anything. Once it's your baby and you're willing to turn nothing into something, that's what you fall in love with. The dream is turning nothing into something. So it really entrepreneurship helped shape reality for me. And, and the real freedom came in the discipline, the discipline of having high standards, having rules, systems, and processes, non-negotiables, core values, all these parameters sort of became the lifeblood for the Eric that you see today. And so everything happened for a reason in my life. Everything led to something. And it was all lessons, failures, and scar tissue that sort of taught me that there's nothing you can't work through. You know, I remember 
thinking, how are we going to make it to tomorrow? We'd have so much stress, bills piling up, like no sales, no customers, like not knowing how to do anything. Literally, I'd never made a commercial before in those early years. I, I'd never done any marketing. I had no clue what I was doing. And here I am in this, in the, in the, in the spot where I'm supposed to be the leader of this whole thing. And um, again, like you start with one thought, how do I make something that's ugly pretty? And from there, you start becoming resourceful. You start grabbing on information from every customer that'll come by you. You'll learn, you'll absorb. And once you become that sponge and you put all this energy and passion out, the world just starts giving you freebies. They give you opportunities. They give you doors to walk through. Whether you walk through them or not or execute on them or not, it's up to you. But until you get out of the comfort zone, you're never going to know what's possible. You're always going to be sort of stuck in comfort, trying to like, you know, get one step ahead or like the next raise that you're trying to get. For me, I wanted real freedom. I wanted to to go out and leave some sort of mark on this planet before I died. And again, the best gateway to real impact, which is now what I'm after. It's really what I want to talk about yeah. is, is the, the gateway to, to real impact it, to me is entrepreneurship. It, it is the place that can take you to, to becoming a real hero. Although anybody can be a hero. Any dad can be a hero. Any mom could be a hero. Any, any neighbor can be a hero. Any coworker can be a hero. It doesn't, but to get real scalable, to really scale something out, you've got to treat it like a business. It has to become a business. If not, it will die. It'll die quick. It, it is so hard to be sustainable to something that you do not treat like a business. So having entrepreneurship skills is crucial to becoming something that is, is, is larger than you, larger than life. You know, it has to be an engine that revs and runs without you there. Mm. Dude. I'm fired up, man. That was so good, dude. Uh, you, you talk about this term bleeding everywhere, which is what you, you, I think fires it up. But like for you, what's that term mean, man? It, yeah, it's a valuable one. So at some point along the way, I talk a lot about discipline. I'd sort of built out rules, structures, systems, and processes for our business. It was undeniable when, that I saw the efficiency of systems and processes. In fact, a lot of people think systems and processes and standards and structure and, and rules they, they, it, most people will assume, you know, just most average mediocre mindsets will assume that that constricts you when in fact, it's what really gives you freedom. It allows you to dig deep and stretch the limits of what's possible because you have these guiding principles and standards. At some point over the years, I became a voice and a leader in my community and our business as it had grown and grown and grown and grown. I kept evolving into new versions of myself. Eric Rock 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, 5.0 kept emerging. And it's funny, every time I would get close to that version of Eric Rock that I was striving to become, and I would sort of take ownership of that next level, the, the shadow of me would get further out. It's like you never could quite get to him. And that means you're always on this trajectory of, of an evolution. But at some point, I realized, man, I have so much passion and energy. I bleed everywhere I fucking go. It's the best way to describe it. Yeah. But I would go into rooms and tone myself down or try to coach myself on how to not be too Eric Rocky. I don't want to overwhelm people. And so I was always trying to like coach myself, be a chameleon to situations, which again, it served me very well. I could be a chameleon. It's easy as fuck. But what you see today is who I actually am. And I'm unapologetic and I don't give a shit. You either like it or you don't. But what's interesting is it has served me so well. My ability to have a triggered thought, no matter what room I go into, I take a deep breath, even before this podcast, I think, all right, it's time to bleed. Leave it all on the fucking table. Whatever that looks like, however it comes out, how it comes out, but don't hold back. Let them see Eric Rock. That triggered thought creates a response in me that's catabolic. It really shifts my mind. It locks it into gear. And it's just that thought that lets me go in and bleed. And I leave energy in the room and passion. And I've been in a room with countless billionaires. I'm, I mean, this is a true story where it would be so easy to, to, to really sink back down and just – you know, 
And no, I, I don't. The bleeding trigger will allow me to give just as much juice to that conversation as I would to someone that I'm an authority figure to. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is it's created this unique alignment with me and, and really unique people in, in the community and, and in society at large that makes them want to help me. It, they love the passion. They see a young guy that reminds them of themselves when they're younger. It creates this unique bond and link to me. Bleeding in every room I've gone to is the reason I've developed so many insane relationships with people that I have no business interacting with. And it's because they saw pieces of themselves in me when they were younger. And that connection is invaluable. It's allowed me to be a midget perched on the shoulder of a giant. So bleeding, it's one of my non-negotiable rules. It really is a trigger rule. It just reminds myself, be fucking you, be authentic and put it all out there. Leave it all on the table. Do not hold back. If you have something to say, say it. When you're wrong, own it. Extreme ownership is also like tied into some of these, these rules. Like I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, because when you're so forward and you're so willing to give information and pour yourself out there, sometimes you can make a fool of yourself. You could be wrong, but like, I've just learned, like it's part of the process of bleeding, taking extreme ownership, apologizing, laying down, bending over, like the whole thing. It doesn't matter. It's got to be based in truth and authenticity. And that is where I can get to deep places very fucking quickly with people that matter. And so when they go to bed at night, they may be thinking about a conversation we had earlier that was really impactful, that got them thinking about the end of their life, how their death's going to look. And that kind of shit is the places I go to quickly. And that's all part of the bleeding process. It's a trigger. It's a trigger. It's a trigger. Mm, come on, man. And gosh, that's so good, dude. And I think you said you, you've been in rooms with billionaires and millionaires, and you've had the opportunity to meet with Ed Milet and Dan Fleischman. And I met Dan in person a couple of years back and had the opportunity to talk with Ed one-on-one on a call. And both conversations awesome. with those guys changed my lives, man. And mm. But for you, having these conversations with those guys, was there a tip or two that they told you that was like, you were like, oh, like mind-blowing moment for you? Yeah, I've learned a lot. You know, Ed Ed is a, a unique individual. He's definitely someone that caught my attention at some point. And, um, you know, it's amazing when you see someone doing something that you think you have the capacity to do yourself. Like deep down, you know, you have the talent, the skills, the energy, the power. You, I mean, it's in there somewhere. And when you identify, well, then why, why am I playing so small? Like, why have I not had breakthroughs like that sort of get me there? It all sort of comes down to a couple things. And Ed really gave me a clarity on clarity. I wasn't clear on, on really what I wanted. And if you're not clear on what you want, it's very hard to hit the target. You can't hit a target you can't see. You can't shoot a, a basketball and hit a three-pointer with no rim. And you definitely can't throw a touchdown with no end zone. Ed gave me the clarity I needed that clarity is the thing that was lacking. So once you define it, it's one thing to say, I want to be like, my life. okay, well, what are your systems and processes that are going to get you there? What are the standards? Who are the resources? What are the mini goals that are going to keep you in check on way to the big goal? Ed really gave me that focus, which was, was crucial. And what's funny is I'd already achieved some wins by the time I brought Ed into my life and I'd already had success and I had money and I had a really a dream setup. I mean, look, fuck. I mean, I'm just living the fucking dream. Yeah, but I've, I've never been comfortable with it. I've always been searching and material stuff has shifted into things that have more fulfillment, like impacts. I, they, it's lost its luster. And, and I think you need them for a while, but only for a short while. At some point, every private jet ride feels the same. Every, every watch feels the same. Every lake feels the same. It's all magical. It's all important. It keeps you in line. At least you're working towards something, but a lot of it has a lot of holes in it. There's not a lot of validity. You don't know what kind of leveraging someone has going on to achieve it. It's, but at some point, though, I bounced off of that and I got to impact. And so it's really important to have someone you model in this game if you really want to make impact. I had no idea the importance of personal brand. This is another thing that taught me, personal brand, the importance of it. 
and really what it meant to be a personal brand and why it's so valuable. It's something that most people miss. They lack. And it's probably because of fear gets in the way and then just lack of knowledge. So clarity of personal brand, clarity in general. And the last thing I'll leave you with is self-belief. This was huge. One of the most yeah. common things in people is, is if you get a group of guys in a room and women and, and high achievers, and you all start getting down to like what, what they think is holding it back, the core of it all, it is so undeniable. And I watched this play out in real time. Ed really like put on a show for me with a bunch of high-level entrepreneurs all in the same room. He went through everyone. It's clear we all have the same fears. We're all imposters to, to what we can achieve. You know, the truth is this, like what is possible in your life solely depends on what you tell yourself or what you don't tell yourself. And it's that simple. Like once you believe that something's possible, the universe does amazing things. Luck starts to show up in unique places. And it's all about finding ways to get momentum. But once you find it, it's usually trapped in self-belief. Self-belief sort of leading to actions that create momentum, that lead to the goal of creation. The best part, though, is really trying to understand as you get older and you achieve things that you don't want to be killing yourself this whole time and not enjoying the journey. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I've put, I've put in rules and systems to make sure I enjoy the fucking journey. I want to really be thinking about it and mindful of it every day. I have just an incredibly disciplined amount of rules that really describe every aspect of my business and my lifestyle and my behavior and my emotions that keep me in line with remembering things that are crucial. Once you remember them, it puts it in the front of your brain. It's in your peripheral. It's always there. It changes how you do moments. I think about death a lot. That used to be a, a curse. It's now a blessing because it changes how I have this meeting with you. It changes how I walk in a room. It goes right along with bleeding. It goes right along with all my rules. It's these systems and processes that I built in that connect the dots for me. But self-belief was huge and it's lacking in so many people. So many people are like, oh, I can never do that. They, they want to. They say, hey, I want to be just like Ed Milet, but I can never do that because I wasn't born that way. Well, the truth is Ed wasn't born that way. He had to create that version. He had to like kill all the old versions of himself over and over and over again and craft the person that you see today. It was sheer will and determination and stepping into the light and stepping into the fear. And the last thing I'll leave you with is stepping into the light. I've really coined this phrase more recently. I've always sort of spoke to it though, but stepping the lights, how I've recently like redefined this part of the rules, if you will. But so many people are so scared to step in the light. And um, it's crucial. Like when you look back in history at all the people that were game changers in society, the people that have come and passed and left huge marks and we're still talking about them and they left literature and they left impacts in buildings and they left money that you know, like being shown on buildings at hospitals across America and charities across America, people that are really making an impact, sometimes centuries after they're gone, their, their legacy is still leaving impacts. When you think about those people there's a few common threads. The first one is all of them were willing to step in the light. At some point, they put their face, their name, and their brand, their personal brand in front of the business, the machine that, that, was, that really made them who they are. Yeah. And that, there is a difference. Many great business leaders will die really unseen and unknown. They will not have left a mark of impact nearly as great as they could have if they would have understood personal brand. But like Ben Franklin is a character that I'll use a lot. I just talked about him earlier today, in fact. But the point is, is like, even Ben Franklin, he had so many amazing achievements. He had so many businesses that he was invested in. He owned so many businesses. But today, all we remember is his name. That Ben Franklin name means something. It's the brand. Even back then, guys understood 
personal brand. And sort of Ed has really given me clarity on a few key components that they go often go missed. And when you start like diving into this space and stepping in the light, so many people will, oh, why are you doing that? You're doing too much. Like, aren't you worried about your other businesses? Like, I think you should be there more because the reality is, is the commitment that it takes to step in the light. You have to give everything you did to it the same way you did to all your businesses. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You have to understand that this game that we're, we're trying to play of influence and really connecting the dots to helping people, there's levels to this. And to really have an impact, a lot of things got to go right. But most importantly, you have to treat it like a business. It has, you have to live and die like committing to this thing just like you did everything else. Because if not, it'll die so quickly because it's hard. It's not easy. It's so hard especially like considering the amount of saturation that's out there with people that all have dreams, but yet they're only kind of one foot in and one foot out. It's only the people that burn the bridge and go balls in all hard as they can that really can turn this into something that has momentum. And that is one of the most important distinguishing like components to people that have quote unquote made it. And if not the people that made it, like they were almost willing to die for this. They believed in it so much. They were willing to do anything and everything and it's really hard to teach that. You can't give that away. You can't gift it. You can't steal it. You have to earn it. And only when you earn it can you really own it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Just straight fire today, dude. It's so good, dude. Uh, you've, you've just launched this new podcast with Matt Laughlin called Man on a Mission Podcast. I'm so stoked for this, dude. Why did you and Matt decide to put this together? And what's the journey you're going to take listeners through on this? Yeah, I'm glad you asked about it, man, because I'm putting my heart and soul into this podcast. Okay, there's a lot there. It's a loaded question. Like, you know, a lot, everything in my life has led me to this point. I will yeah. say this. More recently not, over the last three, four years, it has became clear to me how much evil is in society. It's working its way into our education system. I, I love to protect innocence. It's one of my the defining things in my life is really trying to jump in front of the freight train that's literally going after our children. When yeah. I look at animals, I see innocence. When I look at mother nature, I see innocence. I see God in all innocence. I see God in children. I see God in, 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 in a bird's eyes, in my dog's eye. I see God in there. It's just these innocent things that, 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 they just need to be protected. Now, children's one of them. As I started becoming a voice and stepping out into the light, I just couldn't help but call shit out that I thought was bullshit, thing that I thought was bad yep. for society, things that I thought were hurting kids. And there's a lot of it going on. I don't need to get into it on this show, but the main point is this, is like, I did not like the emotions of being mad at the TV all the time and not having an outlet to go give and commit to other people to try to help people. The best way to deal with something that you can't control, like, an evil force, which has to be there, by the way. Let's think about this real quick. Let me just touch on this. Yeah. You can't have sunlight and you can't have brightness without darkness, right? Yeah. You can, you wouldn't know joy and, and love if you didn't have like pain and suffering. Like they can't exist without each other. In a sense, you can't have God without evil because you wouldn't appreciate it. You wouldn't know it. You can't have life without death. It would have no meaning. So the point is, is like there's certain factors you're never going to be able to control, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't feel obligated to work to make a difference, to, to fight against the evil. And so many people are emotionally wrapped up. I see it all the time. I see it in my own family. They're yelling at the TV. Their blood pressure's high. They're pissed off. They're not happy with things they see in society. There's crime happening everywhere. 
And it's like, I didn't want to be that person that didn't know how to steer those negative emotions into a place where it can actually make a difference and help someone. Hmm. A podcast is just one of the many layers that I've sort of stacked onto my life that becomes an outlet to pour my energy into to communicate. I commend what you're doing. You've had some game-changing conversations, many of which I've listened to that have really helped me. You're helping people. You're changing people's lives. You're deciding to not play the game of letting the media wrap you into their web evil to wrap you into its web and to be a victim. Instead, you're going out and being a player in the game. And I love that about you, Eric. And so I too am following in the footsteps of so many great people who create outlets to make noise. And, you know, even if I inspire one young mindset to maybe make a different decision in their life or not be a victim, sort of steers it. One less victim in the planet is one less people that, that has the potential to do harm because most victims are the ones that create the harm. Yeah, And so how you can fight against victimhood is how you can collectively save humanity because it's always the victims are the ones that pull the triggers, right? And the yeah. media oftentimes protects these people. They protect bad behavior. They protect it all. There's always an excuse or a reason or some bullshit. I wanted an outlet, man. I was done. And with Matt Lachlan, I've loved communicating with him. I've worked with him for over a decade in business. He owned magazine publications. I've worked with, we threw big parties together. We've done fun events with real estate stuff. Um, our retail business has worked with him. But he comes from a, 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 a psychology background, if you will. And I just loved how I communicate with him. I have so much energy. I kind of speak at a fifth grade level. He's very smart. He's an intellectual. He sort of will polish off my thoughts and put great quotes to what I say. He's very biblical and he can bring like all kinds of things that are from history into what I'm talking about. And it's just a really dynamic combination. Me and him are going to be a really unique combination of people communicating messages. So I just like working with them, number one. But this was just an outlet, bro. This is another outlet to try to create impact. And so I can constantly steer negative emotions, which is energy, by the way. Any emotion, good or bad, is energy. Yeah. If you use it for bad and you act out on a bad emotion, essentially you are literally giving away gold. You want to salvage that gold and put it into things that actually can create momentum in your life. And so that's what I'm doing. And I get to be an open book. A lot of people follow me for a lot of years. And I get to show people like what up, all the layers of Eric Rock. This was Eric Rock then. This is him then. Here he is now. And this open book and like telling the story along the way, showing the process, showing all the, the emotions and, and, and the insecurities and the, and the authenticity, it hopefully will inspire other people to do the same. But at the end of the day, like the fulfillment I'm searching for now is because I'm thinking about death. I'm trying to solve that problem right now. And it's a problem that you can't get out of and I can't get out of. We are trapped. But the fact that I'm thinking about it has became the biggest blessing in my life because it's changing how I do time in real time, moment after moment is different because I'm considering the end. When you consider the end, it changes how you walk into a room. When you say, and then you t add onto that, go fucking bleed. It changes how you enter a room. And this is where the world will reward people that sort of bring real passion and energy into every situation, regardless of the circumstances. Oh, come on, man. I love that. And Thank you for the kind words, man. I appreciate that. And, and man, it's, it's such an honor to have you on the show. And, and I look at legacy or I mean, podcasting is, is like you said, man, it's an open book. It's an opportunity for us to share and make an impact, but not only just in the now, but like three, four generations deep, my great, great grandkids can look back and see me. They can hear, you know, hear my voice, feel my energy. I wish I could do that two, three generations back for my grandfather and grandma. Right. hundred percent, man. You're right. That is, this is going to be a, a testimony that you can give and a perspective that you can give that countless generations have will have access to your yeah. voice will carry on for all of time now. And, um, 
what a wonderful thing. It's definitely not for everyone. I mean, yeah. so many people are trying to change the world. Let's be honest. They have these big grand dreams and thoughts, but they have zero systems and processes. They don't have a machine working for them. They haven't built anything. And it's so hard to go change the world. It really is at scale. If you don't have some infrastructure beneath you to sort of support your messaging, because so often it'd be, it's a hollow message to people. You can't go preach about, about entrepreneurship and all these great things that, you know, or whatever people talk about. It's got to come from a place where you've actually bled it. You've actually felt it. You've actually built it. And so again, like a lot of people say they want to do this, but they haven't done this yet. They haven't done this yet. They haven't done this yet. It's very hard to be impactful if the universe sort of smells you out as a hollow fraud. I mean, the intention might be good. That's great. But at the end of the day, like people want to really identify with authenticity. They want to know that if they're going to commit their precious time to someone and they're going to listen to someone, that that person has, has lives and dies by the things they say. Cause there's nothing worse than trusting someone who literally like is not living the identity that they claim. Yeah. Uh, dude, I love this conversation, man. Eric, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, man. This was truly an honor, man. You're an absolute world changer, dude. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.